welcome. Uh, today is a little bit different than what we normally do as a church during this time of teaching. So uh, we've been going through, and normally we'll go through different series, different books of the Bible. We've been in Exodus for a while, uh, journeying through the wilderness with the people of God. Um, we are going to start a series here in just two weeks on justice and reconciliation and what the Bible has to say about that. And so we're excited about that. I want to encourage you to come back. Uh, that is not a, a political series for us. It's just teaching God's heart and, uh, and how God thinks about really important issues that happen to be very timely for us as, as a culture. Um, so that's going to be two weeks. Today, we call Vision Sunday. So this is an opportunity for us to just remind ourselves where we've been. Uh, this time of year, we always have a lot of new people coming in, uh, people moving in for residencies, fellowships, people uh, you know, moving neighborhoods, uh, changing leases, changing roommates, uh, changing cities, uh, starting college. Butler's back this week, and so if you live in Midtown, I live two blocks. It's like a swarm of locusts kind of moving through from graders to Target, and, and it's amazing. I, I love living in a neighborhood with university students, other than the fact that they run stop signs in my neighborhood. Um, outside of that, though, I love uh, the, the energy that this time of year brings. And so, um, but this is a time for us to stop and just kind of press pause, um, because there's a lot of questions that we get from people. So kind of consider this like an opportunity to sit down with our pastors and with our team and, uh, and grab coffee. And so if you were sitting across from me at a coffee shop and you were just asking the question, what is this church about? What does it mean to be connected to this church? What is, what's important to this church, right? I think we're all asking questions like that about the church right now, especially uh, on the heels of things like uh, Me Too and the larger cultural movements. We're asking questions about authority figures and power and churches and, um, and, and those are valid questions, right? Because people don't always feel safe or uh, churches aren't always clear. Uh, Brene Brown just wrote a book on leadership and she said, clarity is love. To be clear is to love somebody, to invite them into something that is, is clear and um, understandable and accessible. And so we want to be clear about who we are as a church and the story that God's taken us on and this morning, what I want to do is just take some time at the beginning of our kind of new ministry year. So our kind of calendar year runs, our fiscal year runs, August to, to July. And so I want to take some time to share what's not just my vision or my story, but really uh, is our story. Our vision as a church, our elder team, our staff, and our members have spent the last three months praying and just kind of looking out and asking, uh, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in the city? It really started back last fall. Our elders take an annual retreat. And we get away and we spend time praying with each other and just talking about what are you noticing? What are you observing about uh, the life that we're living together? And then how can that shape and inform our priorities and our, our goals and our values and our objectives for the next uh, year to two? And so this is the culmination of really about a nine-month process. And I want to share this because I believe this is what God, we believe this is what God is inviting us into as a church for this coming year based on where he's taken us in the past and the, kind of the future that he has for us. And my hope is that this would just be more than information. Because information does not always lead to transformation. Information doesn't change lives. It's interesting, but it doesn't change lives. And so I want to invite you beyond information to participation. Because participation is actually what changes us. That leads to, to transformation as we get engaged. Our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies engaged. That's, that's the space where God begins to bring transformation. And so my hope is that you would be moved to participate in the mission that God has given us as a church, or you might go, hey, this church is not for me. Great. There's lots of great churches around the city. We want to help you get engaged somewhere where you can believe in the mission, and we're happy after the service to give you a list of other churches that may be a better fit for you and what you feel like God's called you to. Okay, that's a weird thing for a pastor to say, but 
That's how much we believe in healthy communities. We want you to be in a healthy community, a place where you really believe in what's happening. So that's my goal here today in the next like 30 minutes or so. So I want to start by telling a little bit about our story. And before I do that, I want to put our story in the larger context of God's story. Uh, because this isn't just about Soma having a vision, right? Like, there's a danger to just being a church that has their own kind of rogue vision. If it's not in line with the heart of God, then it's just a brand. It's just a slogan. And, and a brand does not have the power to transform people's lives, does not have the power to transform cities, does not have the power to transform communities, so I want to read this to you. This is something I was meditating on, and the Holy Spirit kept bringing it to my attention throughout this week in various ways, and it's my prayer that this would kind of frame up how we talk about our church, and I'm going to share with you plans. Some of you may get excited about that. If you're, if you're like a strategy person, the next like 30 minutes are going to be super engaging for you. If you're like an artist, and you're just like, I hate plans, then just bear with me. So I want to start speaking to you first, okay? So Ephesians chapter 1, this is a vision for a church. Paul writing to a young urban congregation, many of them converted out of the occult and out of witchcraft and are now forming the very first church, one of the very first churches that we know about and we have kind of a biographical profile of in the New Testament. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, here's what the Apostle Paul says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, the width, the height, the depths of God's love. To know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what we're about as a church. This is God's plan for the church. That we would, I mean, notice what he prays for. Like, there's a lot of things he could have prayed for. But he prays for what? What's the word? That, what are the two words that dominate this passage? Power and love. And I would argue it's power to understand and experience love. He says of all the things you need, what you need is not a better strategy. What you need is not more capital. What you need is not more education. What you need is not another Bible study or prayer group alone. All of those things can be empty and can actually lead you away from love. What you need, he says, is to be empowered, to be strengthened in your soul, to experience love. Now, isn't that interesting? He says it actually takes power to receive love. Like, that's how weak, that's how fragile, that's how insecure we are as human beings, that we can't handle real love. We cannot handle authentic love in our core because we're afraid. We're terrified. We're despairing and cynical. And so he prays, give them 
love. Strengthen them, establish them, root them into the love of God so that they could comprehend, so they could know, not just information, but that that information would drop to their hearts. And he says, this is what we have to do together, that you do it with all the saints. It's not something you can do alone. It's something you can only experience in authentic relationships with others so that you would be filled with the fullness of God. That's what we want. That's what we're after with our story and our plans and our mission and our goals and objectives. At the end of the day, we want you, we want us to become a community of love. A rare thing, right, in the church landscape, it seems these days. A community of love. So let me tell our story for a second and, and, and kind of help you understand where we are on that journey to becoming this community of love, to, be, to being strengthened with God's spirit, to be rooted and grounded in his powerful love. We, uh, as a church, started uh, about eight years ago. So eight years ago, December, uh, we moved into the city with a small group of people. And I like to think of the story uh, in terms of seasons. It's helpful for me to kind of put it that way. If you think about the growth of an organization or the growth of uh, maybe a human being, uh, there's a seasonal nature to things, and that's very much what we've experienced here at Soma. And I think it's helpful to be able to locate yourself in the season so that you have the right expectations, right? Like if you're a parent, um, let me go, go to the second slide, John, um, on the, there you go. This is a, a kind of a model for uh, human development, right? We start in infancy and childhood, and then we move through adolescence, and some of us reach adulthood, right? Or some version of adulthood, some version of maturity. Now, what happens is people have expectations of adulthood for children, and that gap can be frustrating. Or people have expectations of childhood, and they're actually entering into adolescence, right? And so, in the same way, every church has kind of an arc of maturity. And so, if you go back to the previous screen, you can think about it in terms of building something, right? Building an organization, building a church. The first seven years have been a season of, of just building, planting the church. So, we moved here with a small group of people, most of us were kind of generalists. We were all doing everything. I ran the first website. I was our communications director. I was our you know, community development person. We had different people kind of, but, but it was a bunch of generalists, and it was a lot of trial and error, mostly error, right? Um, trying to figure out who we were and what it looked like to be a church in the city. None of us grew up in Indianapolis. None of us knew what it looked like to be faithful to Jesus in this particular cultural moment. Um, I, I've heard it compared to flying, trying to fly, uh, build a plane while you're flying it. Right, so you're like taking the engine out and putting this in over here and installing some seats and moving wings around. I mean, it's, it's, it's a frightening process, but we somehow made it through, and now we have, we've built, we've been built, we've been, this, this foundation has been laid. And really where we find ourselves now is we want to move towards thriving is in a season of establishing. Establishing is all about uh, refinement. Right? So the original vision and the mission and the things that really animated us in the early days, we want to continue to refine that so that it's accessible, it makes sense to people who live in Indianapolis, it's not just something that comes from a southerner, uh, but it's actually something that's embedded and kind of incarnated into the life of a, of a Hoosier. Uh, we refine those, and then, and then it's also about alignment, right? It's about aligning all of our systems and our policies and our programs, um, our teaching uh, towards that vision. And then it's about integration, right? It's about making sure that there's a holistic nature to it, that the things that maybe we were missing as children, now as we get into adolescence, we begin to, to add those things, and we begin to call the church toward, toward greater levels of maturity so that we can one day thrive. 
And again, it involves a lot of R&D to try to figure this out. And so that's kind of the season that we're in. If you think about adolescence, it's a season of uh, confusion in many ways. It's a season of conflict, right? It's a season of grow, a growing sense of identity and calling in the world. That's kind of where we find ourselves as a church. And I want to go on to read this. This is exactly what Paul describes the journey of a church growing up to be like it later on in chapter 4. He says this to the church. Jesus has given to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? Basically, this is like a taxonomy or a categorization of the kinds of leaders that God gives to the church. He gives leaders, why? So that they can equip, that word equip is a fishing term. It comes from like a word to, to mend. So there's a brokenness that has to be mended in order for us to be made whole. Equipping the saints, that's you, that's the church, so the pastors and the prophets and the teachers and the evangelists are not to do the work of ministry. They're actually to help you do the work of ministry. Where you live, where you work, where you play. So that, he says, we can build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be children. We want to put childish ways behind us, individually and as a church. Tossed by the waves, blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Each individual part has a role to play in building up the whole. That's what we're after in this season, teaching us not to be dependent on others, teaching us not to be dependent on um, philosophies and ideologies and uh, political heroes, and, and all of that, certain, you know, books and things, like teaching us as a body to grow up into maturity. That's the season that we find ourselves in. So, understanding that should hope, hopefully help you have the right expectations about what it means to be engaged here, right? Because this is where we're at in our story, and it, like any good trilogy, like we're moving through the books, but we're only in like book two, and so if you have expectations of book three or book four or book five or book ten, that's not where we're at. We're in book two. And it's an exciting time. God's doing some fresh things that we're excited about. But let me just remind you about kind of the bigger picture. Let me step back just again and remind us of the bigger picture of our mission and our vision. These are the questions that we get a lot from people is what, what is this church about? What matters to this church? Why does this church exist? Why do we need another church in Indianapolis? We've already got you know, hundreds of them across the city, 1,600 or something congregations across the city of Indianapolis. Why one more church? Our mission as a church is really the same mission that Jesus gave uh, his disciples. I'll actually put it up on the screen here. So this is our why. Simon Sinek, business guy, uh, wrote a book a couple years ago, and he says the most important thing for any organization is the why. It's in the center of the circle, if you think of concentric circles. The why matters more than the what, which matters more than the how. So this is kind of our why, what, and how. Our why, our mission. Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends back to the right hand of the Father, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this mission never changes for the church. If this is not your mission, you don't have a church. The way we say that here at Soma is the gospel changes everything. The gospel changes everything. The gospel is the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, right? That's the center of what we do. We're not just a community, right? Because community can't take away your loneliness. Community can't heal your brokenness by itself. Community can't take away your anxiety. Community can't give you a sense of identity and purpose. Jesus can, and if Jesus is at the center of that community, then you have a shot. But without Jesus, he says, you can do nothing. I don't care how great the community is, how cool the coffee is, I don't care how cool the branding is, it's empty if it's not rooted in Jesus. So the gospel, Jesus, what he came to do in the world is the center, and then Jesus changes everything. We're a church after transformation. We, we don't want to be content to oversee mediocrity, to live with complacency and apathy and indifference, which is just the air that we breathe, right? We breathe the air on a regular basis of cynicism and indifference. We want to be a church that pursues transformation, and, and not just in the religious sphere of our lives, but in every aspect of our lives. Our relationship with Jesus should change the way that we think about our money. It should change the way that we think about where we buy a house or if we buy a house. It should change the way we think about who we take up a lease with or don't. It should change the way we think about our major or our board exams or whether we should be taking board exams at all in the first place. It should change the way we think about our careers and our vocational pathways. It should change the way we think about race and ethnicity. It should change the way we think about the poor and the wealthy, right? Like all of these things are within the scope of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. That's what we're after. That's why we exist, to see the gospel change everything. Now, what, is it, what does that actually look like lived out, right? Like, what is the vision that supports that? So we're moving from the why to the what. Like, if we imagine a future where that actually is beginning to take place, like a vision is a conviction of what should be fueled by the imagination for what could be. And it's kind of impossible. That's what a vision is supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be something you can't achieve in a lifetime, but you can begin to move towards that because Jesus says what's impossible with man is possible with God. So we want to begin to move towards this and begin to embody this mission in, 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 a, in a visionary kind of way. So our vision, we, and we've worked hard to refine this over the last year, um, and so here's kind of the way we say it now. Our vision as a church, when we look five years, ten years down the road, and we see a movement of life-giving discipleship, here's what we see. We want to see a community learning, never going to get there, but learning to practice the way of Jesus together for the life of the world. Practicing the way of Jesus together for the life of the world. Not talking about the way of Jesus, not opining on the way of Jesus, not, uh, you know, just um, reactively, anxiously engaging the way of, like, practicing the way of Jesus together for the life of the world. And what we mean by the way of Jesus is three things. We, we've talked about this over the past year with spiritual formation. Is we, When we talk about the way of Jesus, we mean learning to be with Jesus. That's the relational component, right? So it, it's not just about doing the things that Jesus did. First and foremost, it's about being with Jesus. Like if you're not with Jesus... Like, and this is religion, and this is kind of mainline Protestantism and, and religion in a lot of ways in the Midwest. It's do things for God. 
right? It's be active for God, lead a Bible study, pray, do this thing, do that thing, serve. But like how many people we know that are doing all those things and have no relationship with God, no communion with God? That's a recipe for burnout, exhaustion, despair, feeling trapped. So we want to emphasize in this, Jesus says, I want you to be with me. I want you to do life with me. That is the fuel for everything else. If I'm not with Jesus, Jesus says, if you abide in me, if you make your home in me, if you're connected organically to my life, you will bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Some of us know what it feels like to be doing things without the roots sunk deep down into the presence of Jesus. It's exhausting. The church can be a very exhausting place. We perpetuate it in ways without even knowing it. Be with Jesus. Become like him, right? We want to experience a deep shift in our identity, in our calling in the world, right? So it's not just enough to be with Jesus. We want to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, right? We want to become our true selves in Christ. This is what Paul talks about. It's it's learning to put away the old man and take up the new man, the new person, the new self is literally the language there in the New Testament. It's about putting to death or surrendering all of these patterns and habits that are not aligned with who God's created us to be in Christ and embracing a new identity. And it's amazing how many people who claim to be Christians have not experienced a deep shift in their identity, a deep shift in their consciousness, a deep shift, gotta be careful, a deep shift (laughs) in their affections and their desires and their longings and how they see themselves. They've been in the church their whole lives, and yet they're still arrogant because the gospel hasn't touched their heart. It hasn't touched and penetrated their soul. It's all behavior modification. It presses on the will, which is not an engine for transformation. It just says, do this. But there's no transformation, no sustainable transformation. So be with Jesus, become like him, and then, then, Do what he did. Do what Jesus would do if he were living in your neighborhood with your, uh, you know, with, with your particular opportunities and limitations. That's our vision, that we would learn to do that together because it's not, there's no solopreneurs in the kingdom of God. We do this together with other believers and then we do it for the life of the world to bless our communities. Like everything God does in us in terms of transformation gets taken out into the world. It's not done just for us. God says, I'm going to bless you to Abraham, right, so that you can be a blessing to the world. There's a horizontal dimension to everything that happens vertically, right? So that's our what. The next question some people ask is, who are we doing this with, right? Who are the people that I'm engaged with? Who are the people that I'm, I'm like joining myself to? And so I want to just give you a quick little snapshot of our leadership because there is a lot of uh, trauma in the church. There's a lot of people that have suffered from painful, hurtful situations where leaders have abused their power, or leaders are not connected to the lives of their people, they don't even know their leaders, right? And so I just want you to know who we are, know who your leaders are, so that you can trust them and, and love them and receive trust and love from them, right? So these are our elders. We have five elders here at Midtown. Some of you may know them. Some of you are like, they're total strangers. Okay, uh, two services and a growing church. So you see uh, these men here, uh, these men Uh, spend a significant amount of time praying for you by name. 
loving you, by serving you, teaching classes, leading marriage uh, uh, things in our church, counseling, caring for people, right? These are, these are not men who are power hungry and trying to establish a platform. These are men that are going low, who I think uh, on the whole are worried more about glass floors than glass ceilings and seeking to, to lift up and share power and dignity with the least of these in our community. I'm thankful to have these men, and we want to continue to grow this team. We're looking to add one more elder uh, by the end of this year, and then a couple more here over the next couple years, so you can pray for us as we continue to ask God for more uh, elders uh, to help shepherd this body. Next slide is our staff. Tremendous staff. Poor Joel's there, up there by himself. Uh, He's our newest member of our staff, director of community and family discipleship. You see Robin and Annalie and Megan and Leah. So thankful for the great work that they do in supporting uh, our church. The next slide is our deacons. So these are names, not pictures, but these are the folks that serve in different areas like family ministry and mercy ministry and reconciliation and leadership development. Uh, we are asking God for more uh, deacons this year. Like we need like double the number of deacons that we have to continue to serve at, this, at kind of the scope of ministry that we have right now. Um, one new team that we've also added this year is the advisory team. And so this team is coming alongside the staff to help increase our capacity and build, uh, build kind of, um, I guess, confidence in our members as we have grown larger. We have kind of a diminished capacity between our elder team and our staff. As you can see, it's a small team for the size church that we have. And so we've invited men and women from our community to sit around with myself and with our staff and to help us manage, oversee, and then execute on the vision that God's given us. And so those names, I don't, is anybody from the advisory team in here right now? Okay, great. Joe Kaltenthaler is here. Joe is our resident strategic expert. He works for Lev and does all kinds of technical things that I have no idea uh, what they mean, but he's super smart and really grateful for Joe. Uh, We have also Matt Wagner, who oversees our feasibility kind of building uh, study team. Matt's a commercial real estate agent. Uh, Mark Brown, who works with Crew and is in leadership development at the national level there, is helping us think through how to train and multiply leaders. Uh, Brooklyn Lowry is a journalist, and she is also a mom and does a great job, uh, super smart and just really gifted and thankful for her and Jonathan. Uh, Steph Miller is probably serving somewhere in hospitality, uh, but Steph is in marketing and is helping us with uh, some of those areas. And then Jackie Morales is the CMO of the Morales Group, and her and her husband Seth are members here, and she uh, just does a phenomenal job in bringing her expertise to this team. So thankful for this team. They're going to be helping provide leadership for us. And if you have questions about that, we'll be sending out more information and pictures and things of them in the weeks to come. But just wanted to let you know who those folks are. Also want to give a shout out. I see her in here. Deanna Grogan, would you raise your hand? Deanna is the one who's done this beautiful presentation. So thank you, Deanna. She's our new communications manager for putting this together in such a brilliant way. Thank you. Glad that you helped us do this. All right. Last thing I want to hit here as we begin to uh, wind down is, uh, so we've talked about why, we've talked about what, um, we've talked about who, and now uh, I want to talk about uh, how. How are we actually going to, how are we praying, how are we planning to implement these, uh, these uh, dreams that we have for the future over the course of the next year? So this is what we call our annual strategic plan. So looking back over last year, it, it was an amazing year. We laid out three uh, goals in particular last year that we wanted to see uh, God do uh, spiritual formation was one big one. And so if you go to our website, you notice that we have a whole spiritual formation platform built out, built out now with all the core practices, podcasts, resources, practice guides, a spiritual formation plan that walks you through how to grow in your apprenticeship to Jesus. 
We're excited that that's all gotten up there and is out, and we're going to be continuing to add to that as we go through these different series. Um, we talked about hiring uh, a, community, a community and family discipleship director, and we did that. Joel's done a great job and has come in, as you see, he's just a very energetic guy. He's fixing problems and getting feedback from people and, and helping us move the ball down the field. And over this next year, uh, has some things that he's uh, pushing forward in the areas of family ministry and uh, missional communities that we're excited about. And then we also launched Alpha. Alpha is an outreach to uh, our community, to skeptics and doubters uh, who maybe are far from Jesus. And so I see Ryan Lambert, the Lamberts, and some others here uh, helped to launch that initiative. We hosted people coming to the church, having spiritual conversations around uh, religion and faith um, and Jesus. And that was a very uh, great initiative. And want to continue to see that expand this year and get more people engaged in uh, Alpha as a ministry of our church. Um, our big priority, next slide for this year, is global missions. And so we've been slow to step into global missions. People ask all the time, why don't you do more internationally? Uh, because we don't know what we're doing nationally or locally first, right? So if you've read the book, When Helping Hurts, sometimes churches can unintentionally colonize or just make a big mess overseas when they, when they kind of take uh, just unacknowledged ways of doing things overseas and try to export them rather than allowing them to bubble up locally. And so this year we're making a big push. We brought on two deacons, uh, Aaron and Caitlin Crow to help us build out a strategy and policies for global missions so that we don't do it that way. Um, we raised $20,000 through an Advent offering last year and are now uh, beginning to send uh, both teams. We have a team right now in Nicaragua that's beginning to do some work and exploring partnerships. And then we're supporting several missionaries that are overseas uh, in Jesus' name. So we're excited about that. We're building a team. One of the big goals for this year is to build a, a global missions team. If you're excited or have experience in global missions in the past, I would love for you to reach out to uh, the Crows. Uh, they're looking to build a committee that can help them uh, kind of advance this uh, strategy that they've developed for our church. We're going to be preaching on global missions during Advent. And so if you're like, why, do we, why should we even care about the nations? You've got some people even saying we shouldn't be going to the nations. Uh, that that's kind of arrogant. Um, and so as followers of Jesus, we see that Jesus thinks that's pretty important. And so we're going to be teaching on why that is and what it looks like for us to, to go well. Um, some of our other goals this year that we're chasing after. Uh, we are in the process of trying to figure out what it looks like to have a more feasible facility, as you can see here. And then at the nine, this place was completely full. Uh, we are out of space, and that is be beginning to inhibit some of the things that we want to do as a community in terms of our mission and hospitality, and even some of the things that we're dreaming about in the future with conferences and workshops and the ways we want to use this space to bless our community uh, we've been able to do things like uh, citywide uh, justice talks here in the past where we brought together city leaders, but it's such a, a small space, we can't do that stuff, and so we want to do more of that uh, in the future. We want to basically right-size this facility for the growth and, and the, the things that we feel like God's put on our heart. So we have a team that right now is in the process of uh, looking at different alternatives, uh, Matt Wagner, Brandon Lowry, uh, in addition to our staff, and um, who am I forgetting, Grant? Joe Mays, and uh, they're very smart on this stuff, and so they're going to be bringing some proposals to our church, and we're going to be talking more about that. But this really matters, not because uh, we, we care like about buildings too much, but because physical space is part of the way that we symbolize to the city our mission, and we live out our mission, and we can be present in our neighbors in powerful ways. One of the big hindrances to churches being able to be sustainable in a neighborhood is the cost of real estate. I don't know if you know anything about that. If you own a home in Midtown, uh, commercial real estate is like 10 times that. And so this is a, a very important thing for our future, for our kids and our grandkids and those who are coming behind us. 
We're also um, trying to really focus on leadership development this year, so strengthening our staff culture. We've had, because of the way we've planted churches around the city, we've planted, we've been a part of planting five churches since we started, and so we have a very kind of fragmented staff with a lot of part-time staff. We have just a few full-time people and then a ton of part-time staff, and so we're consolidating our staff a little bit this year uh, and really focusing on hiring fewer but more full-time staff so that we can have a better uh, culture of leadership, better rhythms of meeting together and holding each other accountable. Um, we're also looking to build better, uh, clearer pathways for leaders. People show up at SOMA and they're like, I want to lead. How do I do that? We're like, yeah, we'll get back to you. I'm not sure. You know? And so uh, as, we gr- as we grow, that's not going to be as organic as it's been in the past. And so we want to build out a leadership process and then help you assess where you're at on your leadership journey and help you step in. We feel like we need hundreds not dozens, but hundreds of leaders to be able to live out servant leaders, wholehearted leaders, to live out the mission that God's given us in the future. And so we want to strengthen those pathways so that we can better empower you to step into the calling that God has for you. The, uh, the yeah, trellis tending is just about structure, right? If you think about a vine and a trellis, every vine that grows needs a strong trellis to support it. And so for us, that trellis has been kind of flimsy and failing, and so we want to strengthen our structures and our systems and our processes so that we can more consistently and creatively and imaginatively support the vine work that God's been doing among us. Uh, And then the last thing, uh, reinvigorating neighborhood relationships, neighborhood-wide relationships. One of the downsides of the way that we're structured is that we are so hyper-local, right? Like if you're in a missional community, and you're there with those 20 or 30 or 40 people in some cases, those tend to be the only people, you know, and that's great, right? It provides for a level of relationship, and you can serve the community together. But one of the downsides is that tends to be the only people that you know or that you have a close relationship with, right? And so moms might be in a group where she's the only mom in that group, or you might have a single person in a group of all married people, or vice versa, or you're just wanting to get to know others who are in your same industry so that there can be synergy as we're working the mission of God. We're not just a network of house churches. We're, we're a church with all of these people. So how do we help people get to better know each other so that they can organize together and make a bigger impact, uh, both individually and corporately, in the city. And so we're looking at ways to help break down those silos and revitalize the broader neighborhood mission that we have as a church. And so we'll talk more about these, but things like the neighborhood cookouts, things like our mom's group, Bible studies that we want to launch for uh, women, uh, college student gatherings, just things like that, student ministry, opportunities for families and individuals to get together and know each other beyond their missional community, not to mention the fact that only half of you attend the missional community. So that means we're leaving out about half of you when we only focus on missional communities. And so we're going to be working on trying to strengthen that. Some of the initiatives that will flow out of that then for this year, you can see listed here a number of things that we're looking to do uh, over the course of this year to get after those uh, goals. Uh, Our leaders retreat's coming up in a few weeks. We've invited about, I think, like 200 leaders who serve in our community in different capacities to go uh, to the south side of Indianapolis for an overnight trip together. It's the second year we've done this. It's a great time of just being able to equip them and care for them and, and help them live into their calling. Uh, we're doing a church health survey this fall just to get a glimpse. We do this every two years to see kind of where are we in terms of demographics, where are we in terms of people experiencing SOMA, what are some of the obstacles that keep them from engaging with our mission, and how can we overcome those in the future. Uh, men's and women's leadership cohorts will be launching to help uh, disciple uh, men and women in the ways that kind of uniquely God has designed and wired them 
in uh, prayer and worship nights will start back up soon where we gather together and just seek the power and the presence of God. Maddie McKinnon, I was just c- talking to her this week, who's led those kind of for the past year. Uh, she went to Indiana Wesleyan this year to go to college, but she's committed to come back and to help catalyze uh, some of those uh, gatherings. And so I'm excited to see uh, those continue um, for us to become a people of prayer. Gender and sexuality lectures. I wish I had time to go into all that kind of goes into this. But one of the biggest questions and pain points that people are experiencing right now in our culture and particularly in the church is around their bodies, right? Around their identity. And so we've done stuff and talked about this in the past. We've taught through Genesis, all that's online. But as people continue to struggle and wrestle with kind of where they're at in their own journey, this is one of the, probably the number one questions we get is what do we believe about this? What does it look like to embody a rich community of, of dignity and equality when it comes to gender? What does it look like for us to, to acknowledge both our sameness and our differences? What does it look like to, to really kind of wrestle with the complexities of the human soul and the human body and all of its beauty and brokenness, right? Like all of that's there. So this fall, we're inviting in Hannah Anderson, who's one of the, in my opinion, one of the world-renowned teachers on the image of God and on gender and issues of the body. She's going to come in and do some training with our staff and our elders, and we're also going to open up a workshop to the church at large. And so if you're interested in these issues or you're kind of wrestling through some of this yourself, this is deeply personal. It's not just academic. It's not just cultural. It's where most of us are living right now, trying to figure this out. And there's not a lot of adults in this conversation, unfortunately. A lot of people claiming to be wise in this, but really not coming at it from a distinctively Christian worldview. And so we're going to be talking about that and then hosting a series of lectures over the course of the year around some of those issues. We have a marriage workshop we're going to be doing in January, uh, a schooling forum for parents that are trying to make decisions about where to send their kids to school when you have so many different options and the city's kind of fragmented from an educational standpoint. Uh, we want to see more people get engaged with Poor House, so we're going to be expanding our support of that ministry, which helps transition homeless folks into uh, permanent housing. It's a phenomenal ministry that we've just started owning as a church kind of by accident uh, over the past couple of years, and so uh, we'd love to see you get more involved with that. And then we're going to be hiring some new staff as well this year to help us uh, support some of these initiatives. So with all that said, I want to stop and just breathe. And I want to go back to Ephesians again. And I want to just remind us again about why we're talking about this stuff. This is not just about rolling out a strategic plan so that you can have information. This is about being a community, as Paul says, that knows the depths of Christ's love and is filled with the fullness of God. This is not the fullness. This is incomplete and flawed and perfect human wisdom. We want the fullness of God. And so I just want you to think about where you're at in your own journey right now. And I want you to think about what it would look like for you to step towards knowing in a deeper way this year the love of Christ for you. Maybe you're not a Christian. And maybe the next step for you is to get into Alpha, to get in a community where you can begin to rebuild your image of God, where you can have hurts and wounds from the past healed, where you can have brokenness made whole, where you can ask really honest questions about what it means to be a follower of Jesus given your story and your body and your experiences and your desires. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you've never been committed to a church, right? 
You've never been like, you've never walked in any kind of meaningful partnership with the church. You've been a spectator and you've experienced some cool things, but you've never really fully put your yes on the table. Or maybe you are, like you're here and you're all in, but you're still asking these questions. You're still trying to find your place. Maybe you're in a season of just feeling dry. Maybe you're in a season of feeling lonely, even though you're a member of this church. Like how many people I talk to that are in missional communities and are like, I'm dying. I am lonely. I, th- this is not taking away my loneliness. I don't know where you're at, but I want to invite you to take a step forward, to ask God to lay on your heart burden, to lay on your heart an invitation so that you can know the fullness of his love, so that you can participate in helping others know the fullness of his love. That's what God wants for us, that we would encounter that, that we would experience that in the core of our being that we would express that and that we would empower others to do the same. What's the invitation for you? I want to pray over us as we go to communion and just ask God that he would speak, right? This is God's work. I can't manipulate you into this. This is not a sales pitch, right? This is not a pitch. I'm just simply asking the question, what is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? As your pastor, as one of your pastors, I want this for you. You have to want it for you. You have to be willing to respond to the invitation. You have to hear the invitation and respond. So let me just pray over us. Let me commit our plans to the Lord, and then we'll take communion together, and we'll send you back out. Father, thank you that you're inviting us to experience communion with you. This is a different concept than religion altogether. This is about having a relationship. This is about being known and being loved in the scary places of our soul. And so God, I pray you would speak to us, that you would move amongst this body, this people this year, and that you would strengthen our inner being, that your spirit would speak to our spirit, and that you would invite us into true, authentic transformation pray that each one of us would consider your call in our lives and respond in light of who you who you've made us to be and where who we're becoming where you're taking us god would you speak to us and allow us to receive that invitation to respond to get involved to serve to get into a community where we can belong and be known and be loved and to know and to love others to engage in the deep work of transformation and spiritual formation, that we might encounter you in a fresh way this year. God, I pray we commit all of these plans to you. We commit our thoughts. God, whatever is not of you, would you just, would you just blow it away like chaff? Whatever is of you, God, would you amplify it and would you empower it by your spirit to be effective and fruitful in this community and in our city? God, I pray these things in Jesus' name.